Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. This is the Fizzle Show, a weekly talk show for those who want to do great work, dent the universe, and support yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are Barrett, Steph, Corbett, and me, Chase. We run Fizzle.co, honest training and genuine community for people building businesses. Learn from video courses just in time instead of constantly consuming info across the web. Membership costs about $35 a month. And as a listener, you can get your first five weeks for free when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. Okay, on this episode, one of the liveliest conversations this week in the Fizzle forums was about how to successfully market when your business topic is like a hobby, like knitting, bookbinding, scrapbooking, all sorts of things like that. Marketers often talk about finding the, quote, pain point, but this pain language can be misleading when your business addresses more of a desire instead of, you know, alleviates a pain. So how can you market effectively when your business focuses on a want, but not a need? That's what we get into on the show today. Follow along at fizzleshow.co slash 152. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. I'm Chase Wardman-Reeves. I'm Corbett Barr. I'm Barrett Brooks. I am Steph Crowder. And this is the Fizzle Show. Oh, come on, Steph. I love love. Oh, that's my cue. I love when you get to sing a lot of Steph's voice and she's just like, it's the Fizzle Show. Just like it's it's that's what it, you knew you I mean, knew. What do you think when you clicked on it? It said it. You know, guys, it's a it's a fizzle show. Okay, Steph. So tell us what we're getting into today. What's the what's what are we talking about? Okay, so we are talking about the difference between vitamins and painkillers as it relates to business types. So hmm. to break that down a little bit further, we have a great conversation from the forums. Um, one of our fizzlers named Castle. Uh, started this conversation and she really, I think, wanted to start a discussion around what it's like to be in a niche that might not feel like you're selling painkillers, as in maybe you don't, you're not providing a solution that people quote unquote need in order to survive or something. Um, so here is what she had to say. She said, wherever we turn, we're told to find a pain point and offer a solution to the pain. That's great in most niches where people are really missing something and needing something. However, when someone is in a hobby niche like sewing, knitting, crafts, etc., it's not as obvious. I have to cater more to a want than a need, which makes it a little harder to sell to. Do you have a craft or hobby niche that requires a little or a lot more creativity to sell? That's kind of the question she asked to the forums. And she also adds, I'm not saying that craft or hobby niches can't be profitable, but I find that most information available to help us market to our target audience or monetize our sites needs some adjustments because they can't really be applied to hobby type niches. So she wants to know, what's your experience? Where is some great information specifically for craft, hobby, non-pain niches? Craft, hobby, non-pain niches. You heard it here first, folks. Yep. I just like the craft, hobby, non-pain niches. So, Steph, let me tell me if I'm getting this right. All right. Um, the different. So, for example, if I have a, you know, the classic uh, copywriting example, if I have a cream that really like just cures your hemorrhoids, that is a that is what we would call like a vitamin, and like a like a, a a thing that you need. It's not pain just a thing pain that killer. you want. Yeah. That's a painkiller. Is what yeah. that's what I mean. 
Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, and and because because the quality of the need is such that it's like it's like an it's it's very strong need. It's a very intense. It's almost felt like it's almost like closer to life or death. You might say it's like things. a burning burning itching kind of need. Yeah, that's the kind of sensation mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Have you <laughs> felt this before? <laughs> no. Um, but but because now then contrasting that with sort of like well I want to do more knitting or I'd like to know how to be really great at adult coloring books mm-hmm. or I would love to get into book binding or um hand what are lettering. some examples hand lettering right hand lettering painting um and th- these are all very crafty are there examples uh, of them that that are that are not necessarily crafty well I look I go ahead go ahead Corbett. Oh. Uh-oh. 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 We're in a showdown. Corbett, Corbett, you four, please. It's a Portland showdown. showdown. <laughs> so I just went and looked at uh, my Amazon purchases and like major purchases from last year. And, you know, there are the regular things like rent and groceries that are big line items and budget. But then aside from that, there's a whole lot of stuff that really fits in the vitamins or or just in the in the want category, the desire category, not in the need category. And I, and I hope that um, we're not giving advice that people have to find something that's like a desperate need. I actually always try to say, I always say a need or desire, because obviously we spend, everybody spends a lot of money on things that we just want, that we don't necessarily need to survive. My list from last year includes things related to surfing. Uh, we bought a hot tub. We did travel. Uh, I bought a, uh, a Kamado oven, this sort of fancy smoker barbecue thing, a running mm. watch, um, gifts for other people. The, these are all things that we want. And yet I spend a lot of time researching and, uh, and a lot of money buying. There are some things that we need. Like, I guess I bought a fire extinguisher and some vacuum cleaner bags and things like that. But for the most part, aside from the basic fundamental, we need these to survive almost everything else that we purchased ended up being things that we wanted. So mm. I don't I don't exactly know where um, Castle is getting this ad- advice that says you have to find something that we need. I think that there's a there are many massive companies out there that exist uh, who sell things that people simply want. You could argue, you know, like Apple, for example, yes, sometimes you need a laptop for work, but do you need, you know, that second iPod or whatever else it is? Um, that they sell. And I think they kind of straddle the line between needs and wants. Mm. Steph, what were you going to say? I was just going to add. So one of the, one of the questions that you had asked Chase are what are some examples of things that are falling in this category that aren't necessarily craft based. And I was just trying to think of fizzlers in particular, and I came up with a couple just off the top of my head. So first of all, we talked about a whole business that would fall into this category in episode 129. So fizzleshow.co slash 129. The title of that one was The Art of Low Competition Business Ideas. And in fact, I think that there's kind of a correlation between maybe what we're calling hobby niches and this art, this like low competition or sort of like inventive different type of business ideas. And the business in that uh, conversation was about sailing. The business was called Sail Mentor. So that was one example is a whole business about teaching people how to sail or teaching people tips for sailing. 
And um, just yesterday, I was doing some work in the forums and hanging out with people. And there was someone who is starting a brand new blog to help people learn volleyball skills. So that would be another great example. Someone who wants to learn how to play beach volleyball. They've never played before. And they want to have a place to learn like all the essentials of, of starting up. And that, that's totally a hobby. So those are just a couple examples off the top of my head from the community that I've, that I've seen recently. Yeah, another uh, big one. One of our bigger success stories recently was Adam Walker Cleveland, right? With his... Yes. Um, with his coloring books for kids based on biblical stuff. And and then he went on to do things uh, for Easter as well, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what, it, what I'm imagining is a kind of felt spectrum uh, where on one end, it's like, I need this in order to survive. And on the other end, it's like, f- like I don't even know if I even want that. Do you know what I mean? And And every sort of businesses what i would call unique selling proposition or or value proposition or offering or the value that they add to someone's life or whatever lands somewhere along that spectrum for for a whatever a, a a broad swath of of people and it sounds like what Cass was getting at here is 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 there is there special kinds of marketing that i have to do when my need or want is potentially not a, at all a life or death thing. It's it's not even very strong on the need scale. It's just sort of a like sort of a a, a hobby, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a desire uh, that I that I have to like get better at knitting. And and I I will read the uh, maybe the the next one. The first response, which I thought was really great, from uh, Fiona, who says, I'm not sure that this is helpful, but as someone uh, who's, a, who's a frustrated crafter, thinks someone who tried to learn how to knit and never graduated past making one scarf, I can tell you that my pain point is this. I want to be able to craft something, but I don't really know how. I spent ages Googling knitting tutorials on YouTube and Pinterest and even bought a few books. And you're right. I didn't need to learn to knit, but I certainly wanted to. And it was a hard slog finding helpful things. My lone scarf stands testament to an unresolved pain point. I loved that last bit. I just knew Mm -hmm. I was going to read that out loud because I just love that last sentence, Fiona. Thank you for it. Um, But it's a great example of like, why why was she, you know, spending a good deal of time searching for the answer to how do I, how how can I, how can I knit? And then she never found the thing that actually got her past that roadblock of not knowing how to do it. And and into the world of of like making actual stuff. So what it feels like to me is 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 being asked here is a little more about like how do I discover what my pain point is for my business? Because yeah. you're right. I think something that can be easily hung up on is this idea of pain. Well, it's not that painful that I don't know how to knit. Do you know what I mean? But maybe it's like what it's like the difference between your current state and your desired state, your 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 ideal state. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But there's also yeah, there also is a true difference between pain points and or vitamins and painkillers, as like the old startup essay goes, which we'll link to in the show notes. Um, the idea being that like in my old business, Living for Monday, we were trying one iteration of it was we were trying to sell training and coaching to corporations for their young professionals. So it's this kind of forward-looking developmental service offering to them. And for them, they're like, yeah, I mean, I guess that could help. Like maybe that would pay off someday for some of the people that go through it. But on the other hand, they have a whole HR department who deals with liability and contracts and all of these things that they must have. And there's a huge difference between those two things because the HR paperwork has to be on file to make sure that the business doesn't end up getting sued or put out of business because they haven't taken care of their 
taking care of their legal requirements. Whereas training is like, eh, maybe if we have some extra room in the budget at the end of the year. Yeah. And the difference between trying to sell those two things is huge because one of them, they're going to pay someone to do. The other one, they could take it or leave it. Mm. And one business is likely to grow faster and the other is likely to be a little bit of a slog. Mm. You can think of that similarly, even as like a MailChimp or an email marketing provider versus a Fizzle. Mm-hmm. Like we think that we're essential and the people who use Fizzle are more likely to succeed in their business and they are, as we can prove, but you can operate without Fizzle. You might not be able to operate without an email marketing provider. Yeah, And so there's, there's just this difference in type of business that is true and it does exist and it does affect how you have to sell and market yourself. Yeah. Corbett, what were yeah. you going to say? Well, a couple of things. I think you're bringing up an interesting distinction between consumer-focused companies and business-focused companies. When you look at our expenses uh, on the business side, most of them are things that we need. We we rarely spend stuff just because we want to have fun or or whatever. Sometimes we do. Um, but on the personal side, it's completely different. I think if you look at your expenses, there's a much more of a balance between things that you want and things that you need. Right. Um, the, in the forums, Rebecca Palmer brought up a really interesting point, which is, you know, maybe we don't need to talk so much about needs and wants, but just this over idea, overall idea of pain points. And even if this is, even if the want category, you know, say you're, you're, um, teaching knitting or something, you still end up with pain because if you adopt this broader thing that you want, I want to learn how to knit or I want to learn how to become a better surfer. There are going to be these things that you don't necessarily need, but they do become pain points that you want to solve. Like, uh, I want to be able to catch more waves or I want to be able to car, you know, uh, turn tighter or something like that. And so that causes you to go look for gear or training or something that addresses that pain point. Mm. Mm-hmm. So in, in that regard, when you dive into the marketing for these things, uh, I think there's a big difference between focusing on the broad aspect, like, hey, do you want to learn how to knit versus figuring out what the individual smaller pain points that people who knit are facing. And those are the kinds of things that you pick up through customer conversations and feedback that you get from people learning exactly what they're struggling with. And that's when I think this advice about finding pain points is actually really important because those pain points speak to people in a way that just talking about the broad thing that they might want doesn't necessarily because it, it doesn't seem like you know exactly what they're they're facing and what they're struggling with um, versus when you get down to those individual pain points. Mm. Yeah, I've seen a few questions like this lately. And I, the theme to me, I think, is it's possible that the word pain is what's tripping people up. And yeah. I've had some conversations with people encouraging them to maybe shift it away from pain and instead ask why. So pain is the same thing as wondering why. You know, for in Castle's example, she does some digital scrapbooking. Why would people pay for that, right? Is there, you know, is it about memories? Is it about preserving memories? Is it about, excuse me, the timelessness that comes with digital scrapbooking and making sure that you are able to preserve your legacy? Um, Another example would be, I I literally was just having this conversation with another fizzler who had kind of a a similar question. Um, He had asked, he says he wants to make games for people. And his question was, am I, he was looking at the different archetypes that we have. So, you know, there's maker and freelancer and teacher. And his question was, am I an artist? Because I'm not selling something that will resolve a problem. Do I even need to define a problem? Like I'm literally just building games. Like it's not really a problem. And my response to that was like, 
ask yourself, why would somebody play your game? You know, how does it make them feel? Does it enrich their lives? Does it yeah. relieve stress? Does it boost imagination? Does it help them foster community? Do they get to meet people? Like what's in it for them? So when you start to think about why would somebody use this product, whether it's a hobby or not, I think it's, it can kind of be the same thing as pain. You're just getting to the root of why anybody would pay attention to it in the first place. Yeah, and this is this is sort of getting to the heart of of what your value proposition is, right? You know, it's like sort of, uh, and it's and it's quite hard when you live in a world full of assumptions. It's quite hard to to really put your finger on exactly what it is that someone what that someone is trying to buy when they're buying your product. And I found. Um, Barrett, when you mentioned the you know, finding the thing for the show notes for for vitamins or painkillers, the oldest article I found was from David Cummings. It's a short and sweet thing, and he just says like, "Listen, there was someone who was pitching at, at this like startup event, and after a long pause, or after at the end, I asked some questions like, is your is your product more like candy, vitamins, or painkillers for your market?'" And after a long pause, he says with no response, "I volunteered a quick definition. Candy is a nice to have." What people uh, that people enjoy and can be wildly successful at become if it becomes a fad like like uh, you know what are what are the jelly beans um, uh, je je jelly bellies jelly bellies jelly bellies um, vitamins uh, on the other hand are used to help augment and improve things but are sometimes like the results of which are a little harder to quantify right and painkillers are are critical problems that need to be alleviated and so I think that you're right Stefan. that like the, the pain, the, the, the idea of pain being necessary pain does conjure up like actual, like physical trauma and things like that. And really um, there's another framework called the jobs to be done framework. Like what is the job? What is this person hiring your product to do? So for example, if I was working in the digital scrapbooking world, Someone would be hiring, and I, and I made a course or something like that. Someone would be hiring my course to teach them how to put together their own digital scrapbooks, which is like, okay, that's like all, all factual and matter of fact. The question is, what you're saying, Steph, is the why at the end of it. And this is something that we've got in our roadmap in this like formula of I'm building blank for blank because blank and it's that because blank that so much of the differentiation and sort of the 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 sex appeal of your copywriting and whether or not your message is going to resonate comes from is just in that because blank i'm building a digital scrapbooking course for you know people who want to make digital scrapbooks i don't know for i that's where you could say like for retired uh, empty nest moms who work up part time or something like that because it's you're just literally watching your life slip away and you don't and you want to create sort of a, a compendium or, or a collection of 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 the memories so that the whole family can enjoy it you know what i mean like like that is a that's the why because your life is like your your memories are like slipping away you want to put together the thing that the whole family can enjoy and it's the strength of your why of the because at the end of that sentence that to me as like a copywriter and a designer like that's what i live on that's i think what what drives the web more than anything else it's not your design like we have this great course in fizzle on the essentials of web design one of the big things that i teach in that is it's not about the 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 design like at all it's all about the copy 
And your design has to get out of the way of your business and your communication and your resonance with these people. So anyways, all that to say, it's nice to add that other one, candy. It's nice to define a little bit about vitamins and painkillers. It's nice to say like, okay, this word pain, which is very common in marketing speak, you know, what's the pain point? That, that that is a broader thing than just thinking about like an actual physical pain or a pain in your life. It could also be the desire. You know, uh, I want to know how to knit because, and, and, then, and then I actually have a couple, I just wrote an email to Melissa this morning, my wife, with three different uh, examples uh, or three different exercises to run through for the, like coming up with your uh, uh, sort of, you know, like, like with your pain point effectively or learning how to communicate it, which maybe I'll share here in a little bit by the end of the show. But, but I want to check in like Corbett, what are you hearing so- over there? The uh, so just to get back to this this idea of articulating your reason why I think you have to be careful because if if you're assuming that you need to really explain the reason why somebody should buy your product and you're focused on the broad reason why like why yeah. should I want to knit or why should I want to scrapbook then you're effectively trying to sell to people who are on the fence about this thing right. yeah. to begin with yeah versus if you decide that I'm going to go after customers who already know that they want a scrapbook, maybe they've already tried it or they already know that they want to knit, then you have to ask yourself, why are they hiring my product uh, versus some other product? And I think that's really important because if you're competing at the broad level, why then you're fighting this uphill battle of trying to get more people to want to knit. And your reason why probably doesn't stand out that much from any other company or person who's trying to teach a course on knitting if they're also focused on the top level why. So you need to dive down a little bit. And sure, maybe you need to reiterate some of those big things like, you know, I want to build a business because I uh, want to achieve freedom, spend more time with my family and on and on and on. But you'll notice that at Fizzle, we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about that on the sales page. We end up diving down a level and explaining why Fizzle matters in that context versus other choices that they might have, like what makes us unique. And we try to get inside of the pain points that people might be facing once they've already made the commitment to build a business. Right. Yeah. Mm. I think that's really an important thing to add on. So maybe it's kind of like twofold, right? So first it's, it's, I agree. You don't want to be trying to sell people on starting your craft if they, if they haven't already. But I do think it's very important to understand why they give it, you know, they, they care at all about knitting or whatever the case may be. So understanding why they're in it in the first place. And then very importantly to Corbett's point, why your product on knitting or crafting or designing or sailing or whatever it is, why would they choose that one to accomplish what it is that they seek about that craft over something else? So maybe the two together is kind of like an alternative to what we mean by pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to reiterate that point about educating your customers because the people who your customers are going to trust most are their friends, their friends, their family, the person who's knitting at home and goes to a dinner party with their friends and says, hey, I started knitting. Sounds weird, but it's really fun. And now you've got five potential people who are out there searching the internet for what's it like to knit or whatever. And trying to create that interest in people, trying to spark that interest is a very hard path forward. But it's also... You have to find them before they know about what you're doing. But it's also like built into every business in some ways, right? Except not every, like, like every business that we're talking about like that that's the, that's like the whole thing when we're content people every single blog post and and podcast that we're doing is is teaching you how to do this stuff how to do it but not necessarily trying to convince convince you totally. that you should but part of 
of kind of giving in to the desire that I'm going or the commitment to actually doing it is realizing that it's actually possible. You know sure. what I mean? And and so they're, they're a little bit of a, right. I, I think the way that desire works is it kind of starts, it starts small and it grows and it grows if it, if it's, or the candle goes out, like, you know what I mean? Um, so, so what are the things that are, that are responsible for keeping that, that flame alight yeah. as it, as it were. But, but like, that's where I think that, that most of, of, cause you're right. Corbett that like wait hold on if you have to rely on building on making people interested in something that they're not already interested in you're got a tough slog ahead of you but that that could be how it starts with you know using a social network that nobody really knows that they want and then eventually over time they like more people want it and it started for you as just like a a silly hobby being on Snapchat before anybody was there just going like, yeah, I'm on Snapchat. Look at this thing. And now it's like, Oh, look at me. I'm Taco Bell. I'm every blogger in the world. I'm everything. Like I should be here. I'm supposed to be here. You know what I mean? Teach me your ways, Snapchat. So I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, you're, you're bang on everybody want, like your the dream is you have a business that is firmly in a desire that is like, that exists. Right. But every desire that we know exists has a marketplace that is full of crap, right? Full of competition. That's where maybe, you know, Corbett, to your example of like, it's not just learning how to surf, being at a broad sense, like I'm the sort of like which wetsuit to buy guy, or I'm the catch more waves guy, or I'm the make better turns gal or something like that, right? Um, where you can kind of, you get more specific and, and finer grain in your focus in, the, in that way. That's where you sort of differentiate. I don't know. Does that make sense, Barrett? Yeah, I think so. I, I guess it wasn't so much about educating your customer about your topic. It's trying to convince them that it matters. Yeah. That's a really hard battle to try and convince someone that whatever you're talking about matters enough for them to care. Yeah. If they aren't already open to that possibility, you're going to spend way more time trying to convince a few people that your topic or your product or your business in general matters than if you go find the people who already know about it and are at least open to hearing what yeah. you have to say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's there's a ton of like really great um, points that people made in the forums here. One from Ashley Baxter. She said that, I think even hobbies have pain points. I launched a course to hobbyist photographers making around $3,200 in one month and sold it to a company the following month. I went after hobbyists who bought a fancy camera but are too overwhelmed by the manual controls and therefore don't use their cameras as often as they'd like. So Ashley here isn't trying to convince people that they should want to be photographers. They're, she's trying to take it a step further. These people already know they want to be photographers. They already bought a camera. They're not comfortable with the camera. So their immediate pain point or the immediate thing that they want to achieve next is to learn how to not be overwhelmed by the manual controls. Yeah. Right. But I think what's important to point out is that she gets that about them. Like she understands exactly why they're overwhelmed. She's not just trying to sell them a course because, hey, you have a fancy camera. I can sell you a course. Mm. There's this critical piece of information in the middle, which is there's a bunch of buttons and gadgets all over this camera and it makes people turn off and then feel you know, buyer's remorse for buying this thing in the first place. So I think mm-hmm. where that why comes in is you don't have to convince people, but you do have to understand why? I think you do have to understand what's in it for them in order to be able to market your thing in the first place so that they get that you are the person who's providing the solution that they're really looking for. Mm. Yeah. And and again, like to figure that out, 
basically there there are two directions you can go and probably you should you should do a combination one is to ask yourself when i was going through this right what did i struggle with and uh you know how did i solve my own problems with tools that were out there and then the second is to um talk to people or to observe what people are frustrated with by reading comments and forum posts and to look at what people are talking about with existing products out there and how you could build something that better fits what people are looking for. And to that last point, we have some very exciting developments over here at Fizzle coming your way very shortly. Uh, have we, we, we talked about that on this podcast. We talked about that last episode. Mm-hmm. New course coming. Oh, man, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. So good. Shoot, man, I'm so excited about that course. Man, you don't even know. Oh, no, we're getting stuck in a loop. Yeah, we are. Oh, brother. Oh, shit. <laughs> you going to make me beep that whole thing? You said ship, right? Uh, it was a, a version of The Wire's uh, mayor mm. saying shish kebab. Bob. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, what is that? Is I mean, is this is this is this topic running out of steam right now? Yeah, did we just do a forty minute episode of the podcast? <laughs> it's possible. Uh, so what what have we said? We've said uh, uh, basically there are so many different like there's this striation or this spectrum of needs, and some are more felt and intense, and and others are more like desires, and and they're just like, hey, I want to. To, to be able to knit. I want to be able to not hate my life. I want to be able to survive with, you know, and live a happy life with post-traumatic stress disorder. I want to be able to walk again. Right. I want to be able to, you know, see my son, but he lives in another country. I want to be able, there's all these different needs and some of them are more intense than others. Um, either way, no matter what, no matter where you, the need that your business is focusing on, you 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 want you do well to to really figure out what is it that someone wants with your thing, right? And and to that point here, I'll share these three these three sort of things that that I've I've worked with people before to kind of find this uh, what we call a unique unique selling proposition. I'll put the unique selling proposition guide in the. In the show notes for this, because we have this great guide, it's free to download, um, and it's, it just looks pretty, but it's just 20 different examples of great uh, unique selling propositions. Definitely, if you haven't gotten that yet, get that for free. The show notes are going to be fizzleshow.co slash 152. So here's three things that I've done in the past. One is, our, is the thing that we talked about before, the I'm building blank for blank because blank formula. You know, I'm building a, a blog and community for mothers having a difficult time because nobody else is going is 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 going to fight for them or something like that. Whatever it is, the quality of your answer there determines the clarity of how you're able to communicate with those people, right? So I'm building blank for blank because blank. That that gets to that's one example or or. or uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Exercise to get into like, what's the desire here? What's the actual felt thing that they're, that they're wanting to accomplish? Another thing is, you know, a person like a, a reader or a, an audience member or a buyer or something, someone plus my product equals what, right? Equals fill in the blank. How does your product impact them, right? So the great example of this is Mario plus... The fire flower plant equals 
he can throw fireballs. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Those Oompa Loompas are going to be in trouble. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a big deal to be able to do that. Oompa Loompas are from Wizard of Oz, aren't they? Yeah, you're you're yeah, yeah still you're still off. Oh. You're still yeah. off. <laughs> the the Krupas or something like that. Oh, oh like yeah, that. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, something like that. I love that you doubled you doubled the mistake. It's from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, not the Wizard of Oz. What are those little guys called? Well, the, uh, munchkins, the, the, the munchkins. Oh. We represent the lollipop king. It was. I did. I doubled it. <laughs> you doubled nope, down. It's not Mario. Oh no, it's not Wizard of Oz either. Anyways, yeah. um, so so that that that's a great example of like Mario plus the fire plant equals Mario can throw fireballs now. Like in like, what does your product? How is your product like that fire plant for Mario? What does it enable them to do now? Right, because nobody wants to knit just so they know how to knit. Right, they want to knit so they can make cool stuff, or so they can, so they can what? Like you're in giving them a new superpower. Well, how is that going to affect and change their life? So, your product or your thing plus them equals what? What? What can they now do that they weren't able to do before? Um, and then another thing which I did, uh, my friend Mike Pacione came over the other day because he was like, "Hey, I just wanted to try po- podcasting. Can we try podcasting?" <laughs> And I'm speaking at WooConf in April, and so I was like, "Well, I've got a, I've got a thing uh, that I need need to uh, a, a talk that I need to workshop." And so he's like, "Okay, let's talk about it on the mics." And so we did, and he run me through this great thing, which which I already knew, but it's still it, it, you forget it, and it's super powerful, right? So the thing to do is you think about this. So so think about an ideal uh, reader or ideal target customer. You're you're the best thing is if you can think about them like it's a real person. This is a big trick. If you can think of one person out there in the world who's a real person that really would be a potential customer of yours, an ideal potential customer, okay, think of that person. Then brainstorm for a little bit. What are they afraid of? Like, what are they scared of? What, what is like, what like in their psyche, like what are they thinking about that like is negative feeling? What are they afraid of? Then what's the transformation that you want to see them go through? Regardless of, of your product, right? But like, like we could think, we don't be disconnected from like how exactly you're going to do it. Just think about how would you want them to think and to, to be transformed by this thing. So I was thinking about the WooConf people sitting there. I'm like, what are they afraid of? They're afraid that they don't know enough. They're afraid they're not doing enough. You know, they're, these are all people who run e-commerce businesses, website stuff. That they're afraid that they don't know what they should they should know. They're they're afraid that they're afraid of a lot of things. We came up with a bunch of ideas, and then what's the transformation that I want? I would love to see them uh, go through. And on the other side, I want I would love to see them just like making stuff it, it, with with joy. You know what I mean? Serving an audience, feeling the importance of what they do, like searching until they find that, but being joyful in their work instead of just so, instead of super hard on themselves and and all this other stuff, right? So that's going to impact what the talk is going to be about, right? That shapes the value proposition, the unique selling proposition of the talk. So those are three little formulas that I've used in the past as a, as a designer um, that 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 I think are just super. And then the fourth would be the jobs to be done framework, which is which is just another way of thinking about all these things. You know, what what are people hiring your product to to help them to do? You know what I mean? Anyways, that's what I got. That's what I got. I mean, we can just we can just take our foot off the gas here and just say, Castle, thanks for the great conversation starter. Yeah, I guess I'll say two last things. Uh, one is, if you're thinking about something that's not a vitamin or maybe a painkiller, like if it's in that candy co- category, what does candy represent? It represents this kind of like joyous escape. 
It represents a chance to just kind of let go and fully experience something for a little while. It's like this child, childlike experience. So the other side of pain points and fears and dreams and hopes and like all of this serious stuff is just joy. Mm-hmm. It's to experience something fully and to be fully present in it and to share it with someone else maybe. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's an equally important desire as fear or pain points or whatever all these other things are. And you should think about that as you're marketing your product. How do I appeal to the desire for joy in people's lives? And I think you can do that in a lot of ways, but with many products that we buy in the form of wants, it's a lifestyle factor or it's some image that we want to experience. So if you see like Chase is obsessed with bags and a bag marketer is going to have beautiful photography and it's going to be in like a woodsy setting on a rock by a stream or the person's going to be hiking with it mm-hmm. or they're going to be dressed like a hipster and walking through some cool part of some city. And Chase is going to be like, oh my God, that is the bag I need right now. <laughs> That's going to change everything. <laughs> but Chase loves bags. Like he buys them because he loves bags. He doesn't hey, need another I bag. I don't looking have to at, buy him anymore. <laughs> looking at at least 10 bags. And uh, he doesn't need another one, but he, he buys or solicits them for his bag review show on YouTube. Uh, like, you guys, whatever. if you search Chase Reeves on YouTube, you'll find some pretty interesting bag reviews. So point being, I think that the making your customers or allowing your customers to picture the feeling that they will feel when they have your thing or when they have the skill that you're teaching yeah. them or whatever is an important part of marketing something that's not a pain killer yeah. or maybe even a vitamin. It's this proactive, forward-looking, idealistic feeling they want to feel that comes from a hobby or something that's not necessary to their life. And that's an equally valid thing. And you just have to realize that like in an economic downturn or in a tight budget month or whatever, your thing might be the first thing they don't spend money on, but there's going to be others who will. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways it's like kind of like believing in a conviction about the thing that your, that your product enables. Right. Right. So if it's digital scrapbooking, it's like you got to you want to believe in what in, in in the goodness of being able to create a digital scrapbook, mm-hmm. right? And 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 then you kind of like step into that circle for a little while and like what does it feel like to be able to do that? What does it feel like to to like 2 weeks ago not to have been able to do that but really wanted to for a long time and then now you can do it? Like that's what you sell. Right. That's what you give them. And when you believe when you when you believe that that's a good thing to have, that then it doesn't matter the the strength or the weakness of the desire. You do still have to do the work in the marketplace to try to like drum up the uh, the interest if it's not already there, which is a hard place. But but like Corbett was saying before, hopefully this this the only way businesses survive is because there's a need, the, uh, some sort of felt thing. There might not have been words for it. There's moments where markets are created that didn't exist before. Do you know what I mean? But but there's some there's some you know impulse of that desire that that survives it's been around for a while or something i don't know corbett what were you going to say well look we you don't have to overthink this and you don't have to pull this out of thin air or or try to reinvent the wheel uh in most of these cases these are multi-million dollar industries that we're talking about. Uh, some are bigger. Somebody mentioned in the forums that quilting is a billion dollar industry. Whoa. I don't know if that's true or not, but but that's huge. And it's likely that there are a lot of really great companies that you can go and study. You don't have to just come up with how do I market this thing? Go and observe and 
and do what you would do in any industry. You survey the landscape, you find out what people are offering and how they're talking about it, and then you figure out how your thing can fit in um, within there. And I, I understand that it can be frustrating when you are listening to advice like a sh- from a show like ours, maybe, and maybe we're giving generic advice, or maybe a lot of times we're talking about people who are marketing to small businesses, and it's hard for you to figure out how that fits into your own niche, uh, especially if it's a hobby, and maybe we don't highlight that enough. But go out there and, and look for examples. I'll, I'll give you one right now from the uh, potentially the hobby arena. This is from a... Um, friend of ours, actually, who lives in Portland, uh, Sarai Mitnick, and her husband, uh, I believe husband, Ken Wilson, run this company called Colette at ColetteHQ.com. And uh, they're doing very well. They have nine employees now. And they help people um, by providing patterns when you want to sew your own wardrobe. The headline on their site is, Make a wardrobe that's truly yours. Tools, resources, and publications that will get you sewing more than you ever have before. So this is, you know, aimed at people who already know that they want to sew, right? Because they say more than you ever have before. So these are people who have sewn before. And what they're appealing to is people who want to make their own wardrobe. That's like the big Barrett mentioned earlier, I think. What's the transformation that you want these people to go through? In this case, the transformation is I want them to go from I sew once in a while to I've made my own wardrobe. And obviously, that's the sort of thing that could take some time and it could keep people coming back over and over again to get more information to help them continue on their journey. So broader point is just look in this space. If if we're talking about digital scrapbooking, go find out what are the 10 best examples of digital scrapbooking companies out there and how are they talking about this thing. And if you don't find examples in your uh, niche, whatever that might be, it could be that there is no demand in that space. If it's really hard to find other companies that are succeeding, it could be that you've niched down too much or you're focusing on something that there isn't enough demand for. Mm. Any closing words, Steph? I think I'll I'll just add that, you know, it's interesting because like I mentioned, we do get a fair amount of questions along these lines in the forums. And I get kind of bummed personally when people sort of, I can sense their frustration because they're like, I have this idea, but I don't feel like I'm solving this like markety type pain. You know, they don't, they, they feel like their uh, hobby type niche falls outside of the advice that they've heard before. And I know we talked about that in that episode 129, how I think the four of us in particular just think some of these ideas that are a little bit out there are so interesting and exciting and, and we love them personally. I would just say to people, don't be discouraged if you feel like you're coming up with something that doesn't feel like a life or death need. It's absolutely possible to be able to create something that provides that transformation for people. Um, just as we've been talking, an example of something that I use in my own life that's gotten huge is a company called Stitch Fix, which provides a box of clothing to people every single month, or I guess you can get it when you want it. But essentially, a stylist puts pieces of clothing in a box for you and sends it to your house so you don't have to go out to the mall or whatever and shop. And it's like that is completely based on joy and delight and the fun of like seeing what shows up in your box each month. And it's super exciting. I personally really like it. I, I like to shop too, but it's there's something really unique and interesting. And this is totally not a service that I need in my life, but it's something that I've gotten a lot of pleasure out of. And I know a lot of other people have as well. So I guess I would just say if you're out there thinking of starting something or currently you're in the doing the tough work of, of 
building a business that's in what you would consider a hobby-based niche, don't feel like you can't do it just because you're your you know your business doesn't fall under the heading of painkiller because it's absolutely possible especially given some of the tools we've talked about like figuring out what the transformation is and figuring out the difference between someone's current state and ideal state after they've used your product yeah in some ways you can think about every like Corbett you love Farnham Street blog right and and that's that's not like a, a need to have it's a it's a want to have you know to to learn to think better and be smarter about certain things. Right, dandelion chocolate. That's another example from our twenty unique selling propositions guide, and um, and you know, chocolate is uh, you know sometimes I feel like I like it is a it's a have to have, but really when it comes down to you don't you don't you don't absolutely have to have it, but uh, and you certainly don't need to, don't have to have ten dollar bars of chocolate. Uh, but then when then you try it and you're like actually <laughs> every once in a while that sure is nice. <laughs> You know, um, so there's there's an, an, like in in some ways to me, most businesses that I really, really dig are some form of like, huh, that's crazy. I love that that exists. <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of instead of like I, who's passionate about the about Comcast, you know, who's passionate about the, the business ideas that are that need to survive, you know, or that, that you need to survive. Right? We always get screwed over by these people. But for the things that we spend our entertainment dollars on, for the things that we spend our like nice to have dollars on, it's really wonderful to to be able to uh to to get some good stuff. Yeah, it is. And you gotta remember that like when a article like that candy, vitamins, and painkillers one is written, many of them come from the startup world where it's not can you as an individual make a living, it's how fast can this business grow and will it yeah. produce a return? Yeah, how how many billionaires can you make from this one company? Right. And for a lot of of hobbyists, they'll usually support someone who's just trying to make a living and provide for their family. They might not support a business that's trying to, you know, win over the world basically. Yeah. And yeah, you, you have to keep that in mind cuz this advice varies based on what kind of thing you're aiming for. If you don't care about making 10 million dollars a year, you might be able to have a very healthy 75,000 100,000 dollar a year business over 5, 7, 8 years or something mm -hmm. like that. And that could provide for you and your family. And you could have a good life doing what you enjoy and providing people with some joy in their lives as well. Mm. And that's great. Lots of joy. So much joy. So much joy. Joy, 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 joy. <laughs> You're smiling like that should mean something to me. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Doesn't mean <laughs> old man Corbett speaks you know what, again you know what does I thought he was gonna go into a joy joy happy happy joy joy song yeah no. I think I was trying to find it and I just couldn't even find it there was like something there and it just didn't come you know doesn't mean <laughs> it's like you know, you know what joy means it means the sand on the beach in Mexico mother what <laughs> again Again, <laughs> your brain is stuck in a loop. It was all those shots of, of gluten I gave him earlier, Whoa. guys. I apologize. It's all the glutinous material. I have been Chase Warman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. <laughs> Corbett wasn't even ready for it. Yeah. I have been Barrett Allen. Bad jokes, Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see you there, or we'll, we'll see, see you on another time. time. So there you have it. All right. Thanks, Castle, for being brave enough to share. We really loved hearing from you and everyone else in the forums. You can find show notes for this episode at fizzleshow.co slash 152. 
All right, and I put there the uh, the guide to the 20 killer unique selling propositions. It's free, it's pretty, and there's a bunch of great business ideas in there uh, with a nice little cheat sheet for you. Again, you'll find that at fizzleshow.co slash 152-152. Here's an iTunes review from Peter Fritz in Australia who says... I love this podcast. In fact, I love it so much, it gets me out the door every morning and every afternoon for a three-kilometer walk, just so I can listen to your insights without distraction. That's so awesome, Peter. Thanks for taking us on your run. I, I hope I don't ruin it. I don't, I don't know on your walk. I, I just I worry that like you know you're like out there in nature, like oh I'm gonna go on a walk. <laughs> I kind of did it a little bit. <laughs> I'm gonna go get a walk then. Ah, damn, I messed it up. But uh, thanks for taking us on your walk, Peter. You know, our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. And if you leave us an iTunes review, it helps other entrepreneurs to find this show. So if you could, if you haven't yet, could you please leave us a review? Simply search for the show in the iTunes store and click write a review. I'd love to read it. Okay, when you hit your next roadblock, when your arse starts to singe from the fire, remember, you are not alone. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.